podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the Inside Training Podcast, which is sponsored by Bartercard. I'm Adam Tomlinson. I'm delighted to be joined for this episode by our brand new head coach, Nick Montgomery. Nick, thank you firstly for joining us. How are you? I'm fine. Delighted to be here. Um, obviously been a big couple of days, but to, to finally get here today and, and meet everybody and take the tr- first training session. Um, yeah, can't wait to, 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 to get in tomorrow. Yeah, there's loads for us to talk about here as we kind of really get into depth about your journey and, and your career to date. But obviously, firstly, like you said, you, you're here now. You've had a lot of traveling to get over uh, from Australia to here today. But how excited are you now? You're actually in the building. You've met the players and you've met the staff. Yeah, I think initially coming in, it's really important to, to make a good impression that first day. And just walking into the building, I felt a real family, family atmosphere and an and environment where yeah, everybody was, was, was happy to see me. I know a few of the players as well, which is, which is always nice. Uh, but coming, coming last night and seeing the training ground and familiarising myself a little bit with, with the surroundings. was when that today I could come in and yeah, get straight to work. So uh, once the media and stuff was out of the way, um, yeah, straight, straight into the session and the boys' attitude was, was top class today. So really looking forward to tomorrow and the next day and, and obviously the first game this weekend. Yeah, it's a really exciting future ahead, but I want to start by taking you all the way back to your playing days, obviously um, starting out and coming through the academy at, at Sheffield United under Neil Warnock. Just talk to us about the grounding that that gave you as a, as a young person and a young player. Yeah, well, I started obviously from Leeds. Uh, I grew up in Leeds. Uh, playing for Leeds United, uh, schoolboys, up until the age of 16. And then left school and, and, and went straight to Sheffield United. The story's been documented. I think you know, I'd missed quite a lot of training during the last couple of months. Um, and I left school and just desperate to become a footballer. And, and Sheffield United gave me that opportunity. I think one trial game, myself and Phil Jagielka, uh, we got offered a, a two-year scholarship and I took it with, with two hands. And that's how I started. Uh, moved to Sheffield into Diggs and then yeah started playing uh, in in the youth team first two years was was uh, pretty difficult broke my ankle in the first season got back fit and then ended up with bacterial meningitis in my second year so it was like you know maybe this is not meant to be but um, no I never never doubted um, you know I, I could make it into the first team and Neil came in uh, after I'd had these issues and the reality is he just wanted uh, young players that that you know that that he could rely on um, and, and his sort of players that would go out and, and fight for the club and, and compete. Um, and, and yeah, he gave me my debut at 18 away at Norwich. Um, and from that moment on, I spent well, a good part of 15 years in, in total at the club. Some really good times, a um, couple of difficult times as well, which definitely helps mould you as a person. Uh, but oh, as a man manager, he's uh, he fantastic and honest. Um, and I think that's what I appreciated most. Um, the fact that you know he tell you if you're playing, if you weren't playing, why you know you could disagree if you agree, but ultimately he would give you an explanation as to why because everybody wants to play. But the reality is you've only got eleven players that you can pick from, and and big squads. But what he was uh, really good at was yeah, grounding the young boys and and giving you that foundation of of hard work and honesty. And if you didn't have that, you wouldn't play for Neil. So um, unfortunately, uh, you know he lied to me. And, and I think, yeah, I mean, from, from what I'd done, you know, I, every day was just another day. And I just really appreciated the fact that he gave me the opportunity. And um, 
yeah, from that moment on, I spent seven years under Neil and yeah, seven good years. Um, and then uh, a couple more coaches after that, met some really good people. Um, but yeah, had some real, real good time there. Do you think there's a, an element of his managerial style or the way he treated players or his faith in young players that's almost imprinted itself on you, albeit you are, of course, your own man? Yeah, look, I think him giving uh, myself and, and Phil Jagielka, Michael Tonk, the young lads, um, our opportunity, I think, you know, becoming a coach. I think it's a special moment if you can give a young player, uh, you know, especially one that's been through in the academy, part of the club, you know, to give them their debut is, is a special thing, but also you have to earn it. And that's one thing that, that you know, Neil made sure that he had to earn it. And that was from training, what he did in training, what he did in the games. Um, and, and yeah, he would never give anyone an opportunity if they, did, if they didn't deserve it. So I suppose to answer your question, all the coaches that, that you've worked with, I've been really fortunate to work with some top coaches, probably too many to mention, but Weiser Brian Kidd, uh, you know, Mike Phelan, and spent time in Mike Phelan. You're talking people that have, you know, won everything in, 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 in the English game and, you know, Champions Leagues and stuff. So, uh, you know, to take that information from them and the biggest thing out of all of them is just how humble they were. And I think, always try to be humble and, and hardworking. I think that's that's the work ethic that I try and instill, instill into the players. But I think yeah, you're moulded by a lot of good experiences that you get from from people that you enjoyed working with and also learn from maybe the ones that you, you didn't enjoy working with. Um, but ultimately, my own my own person, my own man, I make my own decisions. You know, but to, to, to have the experiences that I've had um, as a player and working with good people definitely does mould you into the into the per person and the coach that you become. Yeah, and you obviously you played at, at like the highest level, obviously, and in promotion to the Premier League with with Sheffield United, uh, making numerous appearances for them as well. You know what it takes and the way the players need to develop to to be able to play on that stage. Yeah, very fortunate, you know, to to have played uh, at the highest level, but there's no secret to it. You know, it's hard work. It's staying honest. It's staying humble. And uh, no limit, believing that you can achieve uh, what you set out to do. And, and I always try to tell the players, you know, you have to aim high in your career. You, know, you have to look at the top, and if that's where you want to get, and you have to do everything you can to get there. Um, and it's not always easy. You, know, you obviously have setbacks like I had, and that's normal. You know, but it's about sticking to the process and and and, and believing that you can achieve it. But nothing without hard work, and, yeah. and that's and that's again the recipe for. Success is just no, it's no secret. You you have to work hard and you have to be dedicated. You have to make sacrifices and everything that 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 you talk about is it's not easy to to be a footballer number one. You're in a privileged position. Everybody wants to be a footballer. Once you get there, how can you stay there? And that's normally the hardest thing. But once you're there and, and then you're performing, then yeah, you have to you know, reach uh, as high as you can. Yeah, and again, going kind of into your playing career. You obviously then decided to to leave Sheffield United um, and leave England and, and move over and play in Australia. I believe from reading around, you had offers to stay in England, but you, you made that choice. Just talk us through that decision as a footballer, why you wanted to go to Australia and then the success obviously you had there as a player. Yeah, playing so many games uh, you know, in the Championship and, and, and the season in the Premier League, I just sell that. For, you know, I think I was 30, 31 years old. I just had twins that were born premature. And my two girls, Chloe and Leah. And yeah, I just I felt at that time that they'd had a real difficult start to life. And 
I felt that after I'd been at, been at the same place for so long, it would have been strange going back to Bramalera's and opposition player. That was that was one reason. Yeah. Um, but also, I always had the the ambition to go overseas. I think when the opportunity came, um, and, and there was always a link between the two clubs. I'd known players that I'd played in in the A League, and always always really interested in it. Obviously, it's a beautiful country. My dad lived there when he was younger as well, so. I think when the opportunity came, it was something where I spoke to my wife and after staying there the same, in the same club for 15 years, um, I came home and told her that, oh, I'm going to move to the other side of the world. So it just felt right at the time. And I think obviously for for the, for my twins that were uh, premature and had a real difficult start to life, I thought for them it would be a, a great opportunity. And people that I spoke to said, why not enough? If you don't go now, maybe you'll never go. And again, I'm, I tend to not live with regrets. And it was a great decision that I made and I really enjoyed my time there. Yeah, and then obviously as a, a playing front, you, you won um, the A-League Championship with Central Coast Mariners and then decided to make the move into coaching, starting out with the academy. Um, just talk us through the group, firstly, that you were with that won the A-League Championship. Yeah, so when I arrived there, you know, I obviously didn't know 100% what to expect, but found a beautiful place in the Central Coast, a real community club. Um, that I'd sort of just missed out a couple of times on on winning the grand final or on winning the the, the championship, and um, yeah, the opportunity to go out there and and hopefully help them win that first championship was something that I was really looking forward to. And so yeah, I remember arriving there and culturally, real good lads, you know, good honest, honest uh, players, and that real mateship. Uh, I think it's a real Australian thing is having a good culture um, and and. Yeah, met a lot of friends there. We had a real good mix of, of young players at the time. You know, some senior players that had had good careers. I think the mix was was quite good. Um, and and yeah, just just a really good season. We're obviously finishing in, in winning the club's first championship. And off the back of that success, obviously the club sold a lot of young players like Barry Ryan, um, uh, Tommy Rodgick. Obviously, everybody knows Tommy yeah. Rodgick. Um, probably four or five players when they moved overseas. Off the back of that success. Um, and then after that, yeah, it became uh, the club struggled financially, um, probably overspent in, in that season. And yeah, the ownership changed to an English guy called Mike Charlesworth that rescued the club. And yeah, for many years, you know, the budget was obviously the, the lowest in the league. Um, and due to that, um, yeah, people came in and then really struggled to compete in the league. And that, for me, the experiences that I saw the club go through. Uh, when I retired, I, I took the academy job. And, you know, my my vision was to rebuild the academy and, and, and make it the best academy in the country and the best best development club in the country. And and yeah, in the first season, we started producing players for for the first team. And then in in the second season, I, I took the job and yeah, we became the the youngest team in the competition and number one in the whole of Asia for the developing academy players into the first team, which is not easy. Yeah. Some big countries, you know, China, Japan, Korea. Australia and within 12 months of me having a job to be number one um, yeah, was something that the club were, was really proud of um, and, and yeah that's how uh, that's how it started. How did you do that then obviously going from uh, a complete playing background you're picking things up as they go but then you get the academy job and then you decide you want to rebuild the whole academy there's there's obviously risk in that as well but a lot of self-belief how did you go about changing that? As a coach, when I started to get into the coaching, I wanted to be, you know, be a development coach, and that's not just developing young players. It's that's that's older players because I felt 
probably a lot of in my career it was there was not enough of that individual development it was you're a good player you, you're fit you know and and you know, at times I think that was that was lacking years ago um, and I met Sergio Raimondo who's my assistant mm-hmm. and the guy works at Benfica uh, one of the best development clubs in the world still is now and, and his knowledge of developing players and, and the training exercises was something that really opened my eyes up to to, to, to how he should coach um, and, and yeah so we both had the same vision when we we took over the academy, I brought him over from 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 overseas. And we, yeah, we rebuilt. We put structures in place. We put scouting department in place, analysis, player support, sports psychology, and things that that I knew that young players needed. Um, and that obviously carried on into the first team in in terms of using the, the same staff. Um, but yeah, to obviously work with the young players day in day out, and then to bring them through the first team was yeah, was our necessity as well uh, because we, the budget that we had. Um, but also you know, bringing them in and mixing them with the senior p- players and the visa players that you could bring in. Um, as always, it's about trying to find that balance, um, and that's uh, yeah, that, that's something that's a lot easier to do. Yeah, and then obviously, like you said, you you became the the manager or head coach in in 2021, and one of the cultures or the main culture you wanted to instill was almost built up of three things, right? It was honesty, hard work and a development culture, the three things that you just mentioned to us then. Just talk to me about why they are so important in a culture, in a Nick Montgomery side. I always believe that that your behaviour as a coach is, is your biggest strength. And you know, I believe the team should represent you, your personality a little bit. And again, hard work is, is a non-negotiable. Um, you know, being honest, I felt that as a player, I always preferred you know, people to be honest, whether that was the, the manager, the fans, the, the board. I think being honest is 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 a good value, um, and then developing you know, developing staff, developing players, and, and again passing on experiences that 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 I had as well. And, and obviously, Sergio's had a lot of experience in coaching all over the world. He speaks seven languages, so we spent a lot of time discussing. But ultimately, it's the same game. It's just uh, you know adapted a little bit differently. And 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 again, if you can bring all them things together, then I think that's yeah that that that's definitely moulded me as as a coach and the way that I see it again. When when you made that step up then to be to be the manager, did did you did you change as a person? Did you change or and grow into the role in the kind of first few weeks when you started? I always thought I'd be a coach. I always had that feeling, you know, because I always enjoyed uh, being a leader. I was fortunate I captained you know the the two teams that I played for. Um I think you know, sort of by being a captain, you take on more responsibility. But I think preparing yourself to become the manager, head coach, you know, all of a sudden you have to worry about everybody else, not just yourself. Um, and, and as a player, you take that for granted a lot. But again, I've always uh, enjoyed the, the the human side of it and, and giving time to people and, and trying to get the best out of people uh, because ultimately none of us are perfect. But, you know, if you can see good in people and, and really you know, in terms of the players seeing what players can be not what they are and I think if you can see that then yeah you can you, know, you can get them to buy into to how they need to improve and, and yeah create exercises in training to, to improve the things that they're not great at um, because yeah to get to the professional level you have to be a good player but then how do you get to the next step how do you become consistent um, but yeah making them understand that and spending time with them or spending time with people and I think if you do that they'll give you a lot back 
Yeah, and you obviously defied the odds as well with Central Coast Mariners to go and, and become A-League champions. Just talk to us about the main principles that your team showed and had to do to to achieve that because, like I say, completely defied the odds. No one expected it, especially due to the budgets in the league. Yeah, I think, again, when you get a group of players together, they have to buy into to your vision. You have to make them believe. So, again, nobody gave us any 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 chance to, to win the championship, even though the, the previous season we broke many records in terms of goals scored, I think, both seasons. And there were so many records that we broke. Um, but it was, you know, really that second season where you know, in terms of the recruitment, I had obviously a good saying in which players came in and obviously the young players that had had one season and played finals football and played the FFA Cup final the first time in the club's history. Mm-hmm. So them young players had had some real good experiences and that obviously gave them, uh, going into that second season, uh, you know, a real real experience of playing in big games. Um, and and yeah, it was just about making, the, making them believe because ultimately it's... It's 11 v 11 at the end of the day and, and everybody's human. Um, and if you can instill that belief and that, that work ethic into it, obviously football's unpredictable. You see every weekend, yeah. the best teams in the world lose because maybe they don't turn up on the day uh, with the right mindset. Um, and and yeah, it's just about preparing the, the players to go into every game with a game plan. Hopefully they can execute that, but yeah, you always have to know that that's not always possible. Um, but if you stick to your principles and your beliefs, no matter the result, think you know. Uh, ultimately, at the end of it, you, you get where you where you, where you want to be, but uh, it's not without uh, a lot of hard work. Yeah, there's one story I wanted to touch upon, which goes into mentality quite a lot, um, and I believe that was um, you putting up the photo of the 2013 championship winning side, and then slowly, as the season went on, you put your current squad's faces onto that team photo. Just talk to me a little bit about that and and how that helped motivate and galvanise the players because from again from what I read the players more and more players just wanted to get their, their photo or their photo their picture actually on the that team photo yeah sadly uh, at the time I was the only one on that photograph from 10 years ago apart from the club doctor who just <laughs> he seems to be on every photo uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doc King if he's if he's watching um, and yeah it was just something that I spoke to Ezio who's a sports psychologist that I used a, a great great guy uh, that I met when I just retired from playing, um, and and yeah, we had conversations about you know team performance and sports psychology, and again, how can you how can you uh, get more out of the players, and you know how can you you know uh, delegate you know somebody else to, to to speak to the players outside of of the football staff. It's not about football; it's about you know the, the, their well being, um, and again, goal goal setting and and you know what they want from from the season from their career. And I think if you can tap into that. It, it, it's really powerful but the photograph was something that yeah I just thought you know what I believe that we can be successful this year so if I believe it you know and then give the boys something to fight for it was you know here's a photograph I think there's probably 25 30 people on it you know I said I'm the only one on it right now and and look every time we win a game we're going to put two people's faces on there and I guarantee if you believe it and you buy into it and then you visualize that moment of, of lifting the trophy and it's not going to happen every, every year you know, but that, that moment it felt right. And yeah, the boys saw the momentum and then the results were, were coming and we went on a great run and, and by the end of it, you know, we'd filled everybody's uh, faces on there. And we were finding uh, finding people to put on like the kid man and, 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 and every man and his dog at the end. It was <laughs> a photograph full of 
of everybody. Um, so yeah, it was a special moment. But you have to visualize, and, and again, I've always been a, a, a visualizer. And I think it's really powerful if you can. Yeah, it all comes down to that man management piece, doesn't it? In terms of making sure you get the best out out of the players. I mean, Jason Cummins is probably a great example of that. Yeah, Jason. No, what can you say about Jason? You know, he'd be the first to admit that he did some silly things that probably went against him. You know, but super talented player. Everybody, obviously, the, the, the Hibs fans know, know all about him. Um, but unfortunately, no, in the day and age we're in, we're on mobile phones and the camera phones. Definitely not Jason's best friend. <laughs> but I look back on when I was a young player, there was no mobile phones. You know, players did stupid things. Um, and and yeah, I was never in the media, but yeah, Jason, probably a little bit um, immature at the time. Um, and when I spoke to, to people about signing him, I think 50% of people said, don't touch him. And the other 50, 50% said, if you can get the best out of him, you've got a special talent. And and I believed I could get the best out of him by, yeah, giving him a little bit of discipline. And, and no reality, he's, he's a great lad. You know, he's, he's, he hasn't done anything horrendous to anybody. You know, he's just done some silly things that went against him. And it was about bringing Jason over and, and his his vision was to become top scorer in the league, you know, to get to a World Cup. And, and everybody probably thought that was crazy. You know, but along with myself and, and Ezio, the sports psychologist again, and then the people around him, uh, you know, we pushed him hard. And yeah, as that sort of, you know, be started to become a reality, um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, to see Jason mature, definitely matured a lot. Um, and he was probably one of the first people to text me, you know, and just say, what a fantastic club Hibs are. Uh, you're going to love the city, love the club. And uh, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of love for, for the club. And I'm really proud of what Jason achieved. And then to see him now to, over in India, um, yeah, it was a, a good move for him. And, I doubt he's he's got a couple of, couple of moves left in him, but yeah, he was a fantastic player for me. Yeah, you've worked you've worked with lots of different types of players. Is there a specific main quality that that you look for out of someone? He's a good person. Well, to be honest, I think I said to the players this morning, I'll always be honest with you. You might not like it, you might like it, but you, know, you can always come and my door's always open. I'm happy to talk to anybody, but I just like we're on for a good person number one, and I believe you can. You can develop people um, and try to see the best in people. Uh, but ultimately, that's not always right, you know. At some point, it's not for everybody, you know. Uh, put a lot of demands on the players as well. And, and yeah, for some, maybe them demands will be too hard at some point. But, you know, then it's about helping them find maybe a different environment and, and, and yeah, not just discarding them, which I saw many times in my career. And, yeah, you know, always try to, to help people. In terms of now, obviously, you're here at the Hibernian Training Centre. You've brought some staff over with you, Sergio Raimundo and uh, Miguel Miranda as well. Just tell us about those guys and what, what they will bring to, to the football club, obviously working alongside David Gray as well. Look, firstly, the exceptional people. I met Sergio on the coaching badges uh, 2015 um, and could see straight away his knowledge of the game. You know, he's an exceptional coach. And then, yeah, we spoke in length about, you know, our vision and our plan. And, um, you know, that was the moment I, I knew that whenever I got a job, I wanted him to be by my side um, because, yeah, I think together we were really well and we challenged each other mm -hmm. in, in a good way. And then Miguel is a, is a goalkeeper coach that has that exceptional record of developing some of the best young goalkeepers in the world that he's worked with. Um, likes of Edison and, and not Black, so, he, he, you know, he's worked with some of the best goalkeepers in the world. He's quiet, he's unassuming, 
he worked hard. Um, but yeah, they're both extremely hard workers. And I always think that, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't be the most intelligent person in the room. And yeah, Sergio speaking seven languages and yeah, I still find that amazing now yeah. how he does that. <laughs> but to have someone that can speak to, speak to the players today, speaking Portuguese, French, um, you know, to get a message across a little bit different. I think that's, that's, that's nice when you can do that, make the players feel a little bit at home. Um, so yeah, good people, but added to, 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 to Dave, I think he's, again, he's a DNA of the club. Yeah. I think every good club has people like, like Dave at the club, you know, he understands the, 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 the club, the culture, and, and he's got a fantastic history here. So speaking to him the first time, you know, he, he was without doubt, uh, going to be on my staff. And I really want to help him in, in his career. I know he's got big ambitions as well. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can we can help each other. Um, I'm yeah, really happy to, to have him on the staff. And in terms of your own career, there's there's been reported interest over the last year or so about your future linking you with all sorts of managerial jobs. You're a very loyal guy, as you've seen throughout your career at, at Sheffield United and at Central Coast Mariners. Why now Hibernian and what attracted you to this role? I just think everything about about the opportunity um, and again you know, I'd had interest and I never really felt the need to, to, to move unless it, it you know in my gut instinct that this is the next move and I always I always thought my next move would, 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 would be to Scotland um, my wife talked about it as well and, and yeah I think obviously I've got a lot of history here with family and played for the Scotland under 21s and the future squad many years ago um, and again, with so many sort of Australian players coming over the SPL, mm. um, many of that that came through myself. I always thought that would be a, you know a, a great next move for me. And to be honest, the, the club contacted the club. Um, you know, they they were ultra professional. Uh, thankfully, they the Mariners gave me the opportunity to to speak to the club. Um, and from that moment, I spoke to Brian, Derma, I spoke to Ian and, and Ben on the first phone call, and it wasn't really anything about football. Was just about um, just about life and and and, and yeah, uh, you know, getting to know each other. That must have been really important for you though, because you're like you said, you you want a family, a family club, a family feel. The fact that it was just all about you as a person first, rather than football and directly results, that that must have put you at ease. Yeah, and and the fact that they they really recognised what 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 I'd done at the Mariners, and and yeah, they were so passionate about. You could see that they'd watched the games and and you know followed um, the, the success I would had there and you know to me that meant a lot and, and yeah speaking from that first phone call I was got off the phone call and just just buzzing and hoping that they would contact again to, to have a football conversation um, but no it was a real easy phone call um, Ian's a really uh, young owner and uh, just a great guy he's, he's just a fantastic guy loves his football yeah loves his stats and and then obviously Brian uh, Brian's been uh, been quite a few clubs. He's had some good experiences. He's also had some bad experiences as well. And you know, being able to work with someone of with that knowledge, something that really excited me. And then Ben, Ben's just energy of you know, a young CEO and you know, his vision for the club. And you know, they really sold the club to me. Um, and from that moment, then it was it was my opportunity to sell myself to the club. Yeah. On the football side of it, and that that was the second conversation that we had. I think it was maybe forty eight hours later. Um, so yeah, just to be on the shortlist for the job was, was something I was really humbled about. And obviously then you start doing your due diligence about the squad, the group of players. Um, what are your initial thoughts on on the squad and the players that are in the building? 
initial forces. Uh, we watched quite a few games, the players individually. And then, yeah, it was yeah, really refreshing to see a good mix of, of, of young players, senior players, and, and, and players that I knew um, in terms of Lewis and obviously Lafondra. Uh, Jago, um, I actually played with David Marshall many years ago. I didn't want to mention that. I thought I'd make him feel old. He's <laughs> a goalkeeper, no, so he's good. Um, but no, I just thought really good squad. We're a good strength in depth. Seems to be two players per position, which is important to create competition for places. Um, yeah, and watching the games, you could see real honest group of lads. And I thought that's a sort of uh, team that I really want to work with. And yeah, I think they've done some good business and in the transfer window. Um, and yeah, just really looking forward to working with the group. And I suppose the academy prospects um, that are around the kind of periphery of the first team squad at the moment excites you as well. The likes of like Murray Johnson, Kanaya Megwa, Ruben McAllister, Rudy Milotnikov. Yeah, and then the youth and the youth really important for, for every club, especially a club like Hibs to have young players that have come through the academy. You know, for them to see that there's a pathway. You know, so that relationship with the first team in the academy is really important. I'll spend a, a little bit of time here with Gareth today, but, but no doubt we'll become really, really good friends. And again, it's about pushing the boys, you know, up to training with the first team, because I believe that's the only way to accelerate their development and then to pit them against the first team players. It also pushes the first team players as well, because you know, to know there's young boys underneath that are coming. Um, again, that just creates more competition for places and uh, you know, to, to, to see the young players out on loan as well, which is good. There's quite a few players out on yeah. loan, so hopefully get get opportunity to go and watch them live as well as every week just sit through and, and have a look at the clips from the games I think that's something really important um, and I've seen a few of them in the in the building today um, one of them that's just come back from from uh, one of the clubs with a little injury I had a really good chat with him and yeah, to, to see you know, players out on loan is, is really important for their development as well but you know, once they come back here they need to know if they perform out on loan that, that the opportunity for them you know, to get into the first team here is, is, is one they can feel and they can touch and it's not a million miles away. Yeah, and there's a lot of excitement among the supporter base um, after they look at what you did at, in Australia. In terms of your kind of football identity style, what, what does that look like? What can they expect? Well, they can expect a team that, that, that reflects me in terms of hard work and honest, um, but a team that, that, yeah, that likes to attack, likes to score goals, defends in numbers. You know, it's important that, that you defend properly. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I always enjoyed playing in teams where played with a lot of attacking players and, and I was one of the most talented player in the world, but I knew my job in the team and that was to give the ball to the more talented players. And I just loved, you know, playing with attacking players that scored goals. Um, and, and yeah, just, just all action football because I think the fans, they work hard all week. You know, they want to turn up on, on a weekend and, and watch their team play and, and um, um, wear the heart on the sleeve and, and put 100% effort in. And I think if you do that, then the fans will appreciate that. But there's a lot of a lot of information that goes in through the week in terms of, of the playing style. Um, and yeah, that that's where you know, the, the individual coaching and then Sergio and Dave will have a big input into that as well. Um, but yeah, I like to be a team that, that plays with high energy. Um, and, and again, you need good players that are honest and are willing to put that effort in. And I also feel that it's not about the 11 that starts, it's about the whole squad in modern day football. You know, when you can make numerous substitutes off the bench, if you can have a good squad where you know, players are going, going full full gas, you know, um, until they run out and then you replace them. 
but instead of cruising through 90 minutes, which, you know, when there was one, two subs years ago, <laughs> you had to get through 90 minutes, whereas now it's a little bit different and yeah, put a lot of demands on the players. Um, and yeah, it's about making sure that, you know, you, you can try and outrun and, and outfire the opposition, but then the football comes in, they're playing. That's what we're working a lot, a lot on, the, on the training ground, creating opportunities and, and trying to score goals because that's what wins your games of football. Yeah, what, what are you like out on the grass and on the touchline? Are you kind of a um, kick every ball kind of head coach or are you a bit more kind of relaxed and let Sergio do that? A little bit of both. I think, <laughs> to be honest, depends how the game's going. Yeah. Um, I find myself obviously passionate. I like to win. I don't know many coaches that don't like to win. I'm no different than, than anybody else. I don't like to lose. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's I think again, that, that's part of, part of me. But, you know, if you lose... When you've put all the effort in and everybody's done well, then yeah, I'll accept that. Um, but, but yeah, depending on how the game's going, um, yeah, quite passionate and try not to get in trouble with the referees as well. <laughs> and so yeah, I uh, suppose everyone will have, will have to see on that one. Absolutely. And just finally, um, there's loads that we could continue to talk about, but I just wanted to mention the Hibernian supporters because I'm sure you've seen all the videos in terms of them singing sunshine on Leith, the incredible atmosphere that they make home and away. How excited are you actually for, for them to see your team play and for them to almost bounce off the energy that, that your players will bring onto a game? Yeah, look, I want to give them a team that they can be proud of, you know, a team that, that, you know, they can turn up on a weekend or whether it's a midweek game and they know that they're going to come and see a team put effort in and try and win the game. Well, I, want, I like to go out every game and try and try and win the game. Um, probably, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have to adapt a little bit, uh, a little bit here. Obviously, there's some high quality teams in in the competition, <laughs> um, but another team going in with a game plan. Love passionate supporters. You know, I watched the Aston Villa game, and even though the result wasn't favourable, you know, to see the fans after the game giving that to support to the players, I want to create a connection with the, with the players and the fans, so that no matter what the result is, you know, they appreciate the effort that the, the team has put in. And I think you could see that that was you know amazing to. To see the fans at Villa Park and 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 yeah, the passionate fans, uh, they have obviously a lot of love for the club, and I think it's important that that you connect the two and, and the boys know that you know that, that their relationship with the fans is really important. You know, to fill Easter Road and get that place bouncing, that that's definitely going to be a real strength for us. Hopefully, moving forward this season. Yeah, absolutely will. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for for joining us. It's been a really really enjoyable chat, um, and best of luck at Hibernian FC. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Podcast Network.